0: In the end, one thing I want to tell, talk to listeners about is just observe your actions. That's all. It matters. Uh, like, Forget about how much trash you're creating or whatever it is. Just observe your actions. Is it really needed or not?
1: Hello, hello. Welcome to the Good Garbage Podcast. My name is Ved Krishna. My primary reason for existence has been to find ways to leave our wonderful planet cleaner we will be speaking with material innovators, creators, and propagators to learn from them how we can build for scale and towards a regenerative future. Their stories will help us answer the big question, what is good garbage? Today we introduce Dinesh Taripari, the CEO and chief spoon seller at Incredible Means. Dinesh has a truly inspiring journey with his roots in India and deep work ethics that came from his family to finding a deep passion and calling for a cleaner planet that came from his children and working 16-hour days for months, maybe years at end, to launch and build an edible cutlery company. He has been completely scrappy in his approach and refuses to accept a single penny from Amni until he sells over 150 million spoons, which is apparently the global daily consumption of disposable cutlery. There is so much to learn from his zeal and passion. Enjoy the conversation. Hello, hello. I'm so happy today to have Dinesh Tarepalli who is the chief spoon seller and co-founder of Incredible Eats, which is a manufacturer of edible spoons. What has really impressed me about uh, you, Dinesh, is your incredible energy and passion and drive. So I'm so excited to talk to you and thank you for agreeing to being on the show.
0: Thanks a lot for inviting me, Inviting me Ved. Um, really, uh, really appreciate it.
1: Great. So let's start in the beginning. I know you grew up in a beautiful area of India. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the best food, we talked about it before yeah, the show. Yeah. And uh, I would love to hear and I'm sure the audience would like to know more about you growing up and also if there were any influences at that time Mm. that drove your passion today.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yes. uh, As you mentioned, I, I, I was born and brought up in Guntur. It's a small town in Andhra Pradesh and uh, i have been born vegetarian look so my family is vegetarian i think it's not something new for most of the indians but all my friends used to eat meat but they only used to eat meat on the weekends or sundays That, that that used to be the meat day and another thing is yeah my parents were like normal you know regular like like typical middle class indian families and my dad was into business i i did my education till 7th there and from 8th till tw- uh, 8th till 12th i went outside to a boarding school in chennai so that's that's how i know tamil also along with Tamil at telugu and uh, and then after uh, after my uh, 12th i went to engineering for my ece electronics engineering basically and some big lessons i learned from india is you see all like all the plus and minuses of life like in in us something i really didn't like is it's so flat it's like everyone looks the same everyone has the same similar homes lifestyle similar homes i mean except for those like ultra rich people whom we don't even look into but regularly regular crowd is it's always a flat line i would say but in india you'll see everything everyone from a, from a, the lowest to the highest and you face them every day and uh, there are some tif- big cultural things that i was very imbibed into like an early on stages i'm a huge uh, a fan of reading all our puranas and vedas and all that stuff it's like uh, i mean my my parents or my grandparents have kind of taught me from the beginning itself and that always kept me grounded and one of the very big incident that I actually told on shark Tank. also i'm not sure if they put everything in there but yeah is uh, my dad, when I was in my eighth grade, I was in Chennai in my boarding school. It's a pretty nice school, by the way. It's an international boarding school and all that stuff. And he asked me to, like, he took me to like a five-star hotel just to ex- make me experience how you know, grand and lavish it is. And not because we could stay there, but yeah, at least to experience it. And he took me to a nice buffet there and like, we enjoyed everything. And the and the same night, our, uh, we had to go back to Guntur in a train, right? Uh, We were waiting for the train. The train got delayed by like six, seven hours. I was like, immediately, let's go to a hotel, you know, let's go to a hotel and stay. Like, no, take your bed sheet, put it on the floor, sleep. So that was a huge drastic difference, I would say. And that was what I I didn't like it. I hated it at the time. I was like, what is this? Why should I sleep on a platform? But later on in my life, I realized that the reason why he would have done that is uh, it's basically uh, like happiness is not in your surroundings or not in your uh, what do you call it? in your lifestyles exactly. It's it's there everywhere. Actually, if you read a, I uh, like I read a book about uh, like a happiness index when they were trying to find out how, what levels of people are happy. They in fact figured out people who are living at the border of poverty line or just a little above the poverty line. Are actually more happy compared to the people who are i would say upper middle class or middle class or even average class so one in fact one 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 american guy asked Dalai lama the same question how is it so drastic people always attach money to happiness or like you know being rich or being uh this to happiness and he mentioned that because when you are only worried about your food and and shelter you don't have to worry about other problems which generally the people who have the food and shelter worry about so the level of worry is different and that's again all these things kind of made me into what i am and uh, this other second part is my grandmother she always keeps telling me that 25 percent to 10, 15 to 25 percent of your salary should go to others she she coins this term like uh, in telugu we call it petti putratum in the sense it's basically you are it's an investment for you for your future lives. Rather, it's like how you invest money to grow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, How do you invest money for your future children or for your future, right? It's similar to investing money for your future lives. So that's kind of, sad. those are some things that which stuck to me. I came to the US in 2007 for my master's. I did electrical engineering. I finished it in one year in distinction and then I started doing my jobs. So the plastic part of it came later, but by default, I always love to hike. So I was very—I would say—I was very close to nature. I always hated going to the cities. So yeah. even from the from my childhood, I yeah. even in the US, if you ask me, I would have gone to a lot of national parks, but I've hardly visited any big cities. I—I am I, not a concrete guy. <laughs> I would say, uh, like I, so that's—I mean, I don't like those. So I like—I prefer to be close with nature. So in in India as well as here in the US. So yeah, super. yeah, that's that. I would say that might be the seeds of why I kind of changed or why I moved into this entrepreneurship. Yeah, and in the in the US, I did my masters and then I I worked in like about three to four semiconductor industries. So in job, I'm, I'm
1: actually stuff. going to get to that. So mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to intervene because okay. because I want to dive deeper into your hard work. Yeah. So I don't want yeah, you yeah. to skip that because sure. that's a really important part. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of funny things that came to my mind. Uh, one is petty putadam sounds also like you know put down yes. petty cash yes. kind of thing, yes. which is which is so interesting yes. because uh, you know I also didn't know that Telugu yeah. uh, term. Uh-huh. Uh, the other interesting thing that you were talking about spirituality and they always say in India mm-hmm. the gods come from the north down <laughs> and the teachers come from the south up. <laughs> and uh, teachers are always greater than God. That's yeah, what yeah. you know. We always say in India. Yeah. So, so that's so interesting mm-hmm. to hear of, of your inclination towards mm-hmm. spirituality and reading, and of course, there's so much uh, richness there. Mm-hmm. So, I actually want to jump where you were going yeah. uh, and and talk about your work. And I know that you sort of really worked hard and in the Shark Tank, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get to mm-hmm. a little later, you also talk about, you know, working from 7pm to 2am yeah. every day. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you were doing another job yep. during yep. the day. I'm, I, still so just, 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 I, I still do another job. I still do another job. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. So, so, so just, just stay with... Uh, how, you know, the, 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 the day job, you know, what were the day jobs uh, that you were doing? And, you know, like what what was keeping you busy and what was keeping your bank rolling? So. Okay,
0: OK, yeah, so actually there is some kind of un, uh, unintentional preparation that went on when I was young. So one thing is my mom wanted me to do a lot of things when I was like a kid. So for me, school was not just the school or the homework from the school or, you know, exams in the school was not just the part of it. She made me woke, me, woke me up at 5.30, made me study Hindi in the morning, like, like a tuition, you call it tuition or site adjacent, I would say like extracurricular, right? And then in the evening after I came back from school, I had a piano and then I had something else. So I was like, from kind of, since I remember, I've always been busy most of the extra hours in my life. I mean, I had my playtime and all that stuff. That doesn't mean that I didn't do that. But yeah, so it was always extended. It was not like, oh, just this. So and she kind of did this because I didn't they didn't she didn't want me to waste time on TV and, and all that stuff. So I, I didn't have a TV time, but it's like limited. So that kind of prepared me. I would say that disciplined approach kind of prepared me or helped me. So like coming back to that, uh, the same thing in the US, right? When I came to the US, when I finished my masters and I moved into my job, like I, I went into Sandusk as a design engineer for like an man flash technology. I'm a huge fan of electronics and VLSI before like before Sha before Incredible Eats or while Incredibles. So uh, when I got my job, I was so bored. After five, what do I do? I went and played. I mean, but I mean, masters was just one year, so I had to slog anyways. So that, that was different. But once I started my job, I'm like, my mornings are free and my evenings are free. What do I do? Then I, I, I was like, I was feeling bored to be frank. I mean, I had friends. I used to play volleyball and basketball and sometimes soccer and all that stuff. But that was only like one or two hours. But after six or seven, what do I do? So that was my point, right? Then I signed up. I always wanted to do martial arts, but my mom didn't let me because I had two younger brothers. She was always worried that I'll kick them when I was young. So so I was like, okay, this is the time I can go do martial arts. I did martial arts. I got like black belts and a couple of uh, taekwondo and Eskrima and all that stuff in like three years after my job. And then even then I was bored. Then I went, learned golf. Even then I was bored. Then I did something else. So I was always keeping ex- extending my... I would say the regular nine to five or, you know, the regular life because I was always feeling bored because I was, that's how I was used to it from, from the beginning.
1: So, uh, yeah, so you, did you, did you, were you married and had a child then?
0: No, no, no. That was before marriage, (laughs) right? I mean, that was just, I, I I just got a job and I, even my, my martial arts, I completed one year after marriage. After that, I didn't continue. because Once my kid came, I, I didn't have time to do all that. Yeah, you're right. So that, that things have changed later on. Yeah. And uh, so I've been working and then uh, I, by the way, I graduated during the recession in 2008, uh, 2000, I graduated in December 2008, even with a distinction, I couldn't get a job for like eight months because 2009 was the recession time. So I, in fact, the sad thing that happened was when I was about to graduate, I already had a job verbally, but that job got frozen or they didn't open it for the next five, six months. I like that's fine. Five to six months is absolutely fine. I'll go have fun. But then in the fifth month or a sixth month, they, uh, they canceled that offer or they canceled that requisition. I was like, and at that time this was in 2007 eight, we didn't have, in the US once you graduate, you only have 12 months to get a job, otherwise you are kicked out of India uh, of the US. So I was also being prepared. I tried, but there were no jobs at all and it was a struggle. To be frank, I would say that 12 months were my toughest in my life. Because the reason is, it's not because I didn't get a job or I didn't have the money. The be- reason is, I did not know how to be idle the whole day. I just told you what my life was before and after, right? So I was always over-occupied. And, but those 12 months without a job, always trying for a job and not doing anything. And obviously, to do something else, also, I need money. If I'm not having money, how can I do something else, right? So it was the hardest because I had to sit idle but in a, in another in unintentional way uh, life always gives you something else right that's when i read whatever books I can. I read whatever I actually watched a lot of documentaries. I read a lot of articles because I was I didn't have I have a lot of time what to what to do, right? You can't I mean obviously preparing for interview you can only do it for a few hours a day or supply applying for the jobs. But the rest of the hours what do I do? I can't do out, anything outside which costs me money. So I was just stuck with my laptop at a home. I, I used to stay in a small room near my with my seniors thanks to them they didn't even ask me a rent so i was like just stuck there in a small room and just for myself and i read a lot and that's one of first time when i read about plastic pollution and climate change and you know into that foray and all that stuff but yeah I was also prepared to come back to India. I wanted to do some like civils or you know IAS and, and that stuff I, because I thought this is not working out, even with so much struggle and all that stuff, maybe US is not place for me. That's when I thought, okay, let me just be prepared to go back and do something there. And that's when I thought, but fate has changed the way it's supposed to go. Just one month before I was planning to come back, I got a job in one of the companies and I stayed. So nice. yeah, and I stayed. I got a job in Sandisk. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm into VLSI. We make. I um, mean, I kind of lead the like, Right now, I lead a team in Intel, which makes Xeons, server chips. So yeah, and again, so I started. How that's how I started, and then I continued my work. I got married in 2012, and it can it went on coming to, and I had my son in 2014, and then my daughter in 2018, and right after that, okay, this is all regular engineer life just moving jobs and all that stuff, regular engineered life. And 2018, uh, around July, August timeframe, uh, we just went to an ice cream. I mean, all these files, I still read a lot of articles. I mean, I hiked, as I mentioned, right? I'm, I'm again,
1: I'm again going to stop you because sure, sure. I want that to be a separate story. Sure, sure. The, sure. the ice cream story is an important yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay, But yeah, but go ahead. And if you want to add more to the no, job.
0: One thing I wanted to add is, while I was working, I, I love to travel, especially to the... Um, national parks, U.S. has amazing national parks. I knew that before. So in fact, the reason I came to the U.S. is to do that. Just go look around the nature, not because of my earning money that everyone finds that an unacceptable reason. But yeah, apart from money, I would say money is okay, but money-wise, I wanted to explore the terrains here. There's a huge amount of terrains that you can experience here. And uh, I I looked in, like I went to all the national parks. I hiked about out of the five highest peaks in the u.s i was big into hiking rock climbing and all these other activities uh, Super.
1: Yeah, and i'm sure that connects you to mm-hmm. nature so much more just for the listeners yeah. who don't understand the civil services it's the indian administrative services yeah. that actually uh, basically are the bureaucrats uh, in mm-hmm. india so just clarifying that for the listeners mm-hmm. uh, so yeah so i actually wanted you to talk a little more about that profound moment of realization and you were just getting there and I yeah, had yeah. to sort of stop you because I wanted that to be a separate uh-huh. sort of thought process and you know this whole idea which created this mm-hmm. thought in you that you need to do something different so so yeah just talk uh, about it and yeah it'll be great to hear
0: yeah sure uh so yeah as I mentioned in 2018 uh at a point of like in July August time frame I went to an ice cream shop with my son and uh just just had an ice cream uh, they they typical, right? They give you a cup, a paper cup, and a plastic spoon. And I had my ice cream actually a week before that, I read an article about plastic pollution and all that stuff. Uh, and it was just there fresh in my mind. I was not too much thinking about it or anything. But when I had that ice cream and then I threw the spoon, like I just looked into the bin and they're like hundreds of it's a famous ice cream shop in that area. So they're like about hundreds to five hundred about ice, just the spoons and cups, so many of them there. And that's when uh, a question struck me that. I was an educated person. I read a lot about climate change and like like plastic pollution and all that stuff. My question that came to me is, I knew things, but why are my actions not reflecting what I know? It's as simple as that. I, I, I knew that it hurts or harms the environment, but why was I okay to use it just because someone is giving it to me, okay? And there are two more things that came into the play. When, when I thought about it, that when that question struck me, I thought about it. I was actually investing in a couple of small startups, office startups, one in India, one in the US and all that stuff, like typical engineering thing. And then I wanted to invest in, you know, into startups and all that stuff. And the second thing is I noticed 99% of the people are starting entrepreneurship based on like a software or a hardware or a service or something like that. But I have not seen especially, I mean, I might be wrong too at the time. And like, I know they've seen a lot of good, good people working on something, good, good things. But at least I have not seen any focus on the planet or you know, all the things uh, that we're supposed to work on as well. The, right now the ESG is the new term of the, or I would say new, new high of these investments and all that stuff. But at least at the time I was like, where are people not starting something that can in turn help the planet? forget about making money, but at least if you don't, do or do not, it still helps the planet rather than hurting the planet. So these two things kind of combine and I had, oh, as, by the way, at that point of time, I was also wanted to, I wanted to do an MBA in one of these, uni, like Stanford or even Berkeley and all that stuff. So I was also trying to do that. So there, these things happened at the same time. Then uh, I realized, okay, why don't we start, why don't I start something to help uh, counteract plastic pollution? I had two big threats, right? Climate change and plastic pollution. Climate change, I always, uh, at least it was a little bit talked to in the sense people were talking about it. People are feeling the heat waves, they're feeling the tornadoes or cyclones or, you know, the climate changes that people feel it, right? They physically feel it and they know that there's a problem. But one thing I realized on plastic pollution is people don't feel it. Uh, if they really feel it every day, they wouldn't be using that much plastic. As simple as that. It's, it's it's hidden underneath this uh, something uh, or at least in the US, because they, they keep it so clean, you won't even see trash bins and like, you know, trash mountains and all that stuff. But again, they'd ship it off to Asia and Asia is getting polluted. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that they're doing a good job. But what I'm trying to say is it's it's hidden and people are not worried about it. And that's when I thought, OK, let me find some alternatives and start something based on plastic pollution, on tackling plastic pollution. And the second reason why I wanted to start apart from doing something good on entrepreneurship itches, remember I told you I want to do an MBA, right? At the same time, I realized the MBA costs you around 140 dollars to $150,000 in a prestige university in the US. I thought that's a lot of money. And in the end, even if I finish my MBA, I, I don't know if I, if I really, you know that's a different thing, right? It's like, I don't know if I'll go to get back the worth that I have, that I invested in it and all that stuff. And also it won't give me practical experience so i realized okay let me spend that money in a company which i want to start and learn myself and maybe that is equivalent to an mba or you know even more than that because it's a practical experience so that's the secondary reason and the third reason which is also equally important is when i was researching about this plastic pollution i realized we're already consuming a credit card sized microplastics every week we're already consuming it in the air we breathe, in the water we drink, in the food we eat, especially if you're eating seafood, there's a lot of microplastics that you're consuming without knowing. And and uh, another, uh, what scared me is my kids are small, like right now they're nine year old and a five year old. If they grow up, let's say after 20 years, if it's gonna surely increase if you don't stop our plastic consumption, how bad will their life be? So that is one of the, actually one of the very important reasons for me. The reason is, Let's say if I make a lot of money, they have pretty good, comfortable life. But what's the point if they can't eat their food or drink their water? It comes back to the yeah, basics. Incredible. Yeah, it comes yeah. back to the basics. So that, that disturbed yeah. me. I'm like, everyone is following. I mean, again, this I don't want to claim something is right or wrong. It's beyond me. But I'm trying to think that, okay, let's start something. Let make, let's make a difference, right? Let's, for me, I always look at the best case, worst case scenarios. Best case, yeah, things go well. I make money and also save the planet. Worst case, I won't make money. I lose all the money that I invest in on the time I invested in. But still, I'm making an impact. So impact-wise, it doesn't matter if I lose or win. I'm still going to do the impact that I wanted to do. So that was an easy equation for me. Yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, I don't know if you you probably definitely saw it. And I know that you went Mm -hmm. into Uh spoons and edible spoons at that. Uh, at one point, uh, one of the videos that went viral in around the same time you were thinking about it was a company from Andhra Pradesh yeah, called yeah. Bakis yep. from Narayan Pisapati. And uh, Narayan did an incredible job of that little video. Well, he or whoever did it, mm-hmm. and it really went viral, and people were talking all about it yep, yep, because yep. we were in the sustainable packaging business. There were so many people who forwarded it to me, and then I yeah, yeah. ended up having a few conversations yeah. with Narayan, yeah, yeah, and it yeah, was yeah, yeah. Uh, wonderful. He was such a nice technocrat, and mm-hmm. I don't know, I mm-hmm. don't know if you are in touch with him. No, I was. But, uh, I what was, was that? Yeah, yeah, was yeah. that something that influenced you as well in your in your thinking?
0: Not exactly. So okay, once I realized I what I want to find alternatives to plastic, I did my research, right? I first figured out what alternatives that exist. Most of the alternatives, at least I saw in the market, I'm talking about what is in the market, not what is an R&D, right? What is in the market? It was uh, compostable, which is basically based out of PLA, which is corn and uh, you know the sugarcane based bagasse based. And the second thing uh, is bamboo cutlery or paper cutlery. Paper cutlery did not exist for the spoons, especially more, mostly for straws right? One thing I realized, I, then I thought, okay, compostable exists, then why is, is it good or not? That's when I researched. Then I realized most 90% of the composting cutlery that exists in the market, if you throw it in the la- tra- trash can or in a landfill, it doesn't do the good. It will. It is half better than plastic. So I'm not going to say that the life cycle is as bad as plastic, but still, it won't do the entire good. But one thing I learned is Recycling is itself is very bad in the US. They hardly recycle. And composting is even worse. And the, I spoke to a couple of composting facilities. And I was in California at that time. Uh, so when I spoke to California is actually one of the very progressive states in respect to sustainability and all that. When I spoke to one of the famous composters there, he he openly told me he, they divert all the cutlery back to landfill. I'm like, why? If people and the city is doing a job to you know do separate out compostables to give you something, why? Their biggest challenge is sorting out. You can't guarantee that there's no uh, like plastic or some other you know things that's going to come with you. And cutlery is too small to separate it out. If it's like a big clamshell or a takeout box or something, it's much more easier to figure out which is not what. But cutlery is not similar. It's it's hard. So I realize that even if even if there is a composting facility that exists, if that's not doing the thing that we're suppo- we're expecting it to do, then why are we paying extra or why are we even using these? So that was the reason why i thought okay it doesn't work out again i'm only talking about good cities right like let's come to east coast not i don't except for new jersey i don't think there's any other composting facility in the entire east coast belt. very few very few which exists so that, that that's something that disturbed me i thought okay then forget it. it it doesn't work out that way then i looked into other bamboo and actually i think i went met one of the manufacturers of uh, there is a t- a different type of bamboo that exists in Andaman and Nicobar Islands. I did a lot of work on it. It took me almost one year uh, to find what alternatives that exist and all that stuff. There, there is a different type of bamboo which grows really fast. Generally bamboo takes time, right? It, does, it doesn't does It doesn't have very good cycles of growth and uh, you can, can't use it that much. There is a typical type of bamboo which grows near the ocean, which grows really fast and you can use it as for straws. You just cut it and use it as a straw. So no processing, nothing involved. So and I looked into other cutleries and all that stuff. And one thing about bamboo, which I found out, the regular bamboo I'm talking about, I'm not talking about these straws, which are like directly from the nature. Even though bamboo cutlery is biodegradable, there's a huge chemical process that in, involves to make that product, to convert a pulp to something that you can stamp into a cutlery and all that. And that chemical waste pollutes rivers. It's not a simple natural process like magic. You take cut from a tree and then make it into a cutlery. So I've Explore all this. I read this book called uh, Cradle to Cradle. I don't know if you're aware of it. So a lot of times when we buy things, we only observe.
1: Bill, Bill was the Bill. The writer was yeah. the first guest on this. Book. Oh,
0: nice, nice. So, I don't have to make any introduction. You need so. to look it up. You need to. Yeah, yeah, listen yeah. To
1: him. he's one of our mentors. As nice.
0: Well. Oh, nice, nice, nice. So that that's when I realized that's a very good book that I felt I even made me realize in in my my regular products. Forget about cutlery, right? Like right now, I only have one. Uh, suite or like a like a vest or tuxedo which i got for marriage i didn't get anything after that i use that for every time i go anywhere so and I, I i it also keeps keeps me fit right i mean i don't have to i don't want to gain weight if i can't use it again so it in a, indirectly tells me and i i am a very minimalist um something my wife hates sometimes is like if we buy something new we have to give away something else that we have very very limited if whatever we need only we buy if we don't need we're not buying anything so in that way, it's very minimalism that, that that book helped me be that. And also understand that don't just look at what after life of a product, but also the life before it. So those things kind of helped me also in a way. So all these things together, I, I at that time only came across Begis. I thought, OK, this idea is amazing. It's huge. This I, And it's actually very sensible, if you see, because coming back to my ice cream shop, there was a cone which is replacing a cup as simple as that it was the solution was right in front of me like if but there is no cutlery which can replace a plastic spoon which you can eat so when obviously when i looked at edible cutlery at that time narayan's uh, baggies did show up so he was the first person I contacted. I actually uh, asked uh, asked him to see if I can bring it to the US. But around that time, uh, maybe a little later, I don't exactly remember, but he also had someone in the US who was planning to bring that cutlery to here. They raised some Kickstarter, but they couldn't uh, deliver the product. And later, again, I can't vouch for the, you might know better than me at the suspect because you already worked with him or at least you had conversations with him. He couldn't continue because he couldn't scale. And in fact, I offered help saying that I'm an engineer by background. Maybe I can be of help to scale it. And it somehow didn't work out. I don't want to get into details and all that stuff. Then then I realized, okay, that's fine. Then let me just hold off because that product is already there. Let it come into the market. Let it do the good that it's supposed to. But then it didn't go well. I don't I don't know all the reasons I heard from here and there, from the news and from all that stuff, but I, it didn't work out. And the reason why I realized it worked out was they didn't have the scalability. So this, some, this is one of the comments that I get. I know a lot of Indian people might be listening to this. Indians, uh, A lot of people say or claim that we copied the idea. Okay, I am still going to credit the originality of edible cutlery to him. I'm not going to accept that or de- 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 declare that. But what we did was we invented the machine that makes it. So when I mention, a lot of times when I, in my Shark Tank comments, I see people saying, how can he claim it's the world's first aid? I said world's first mass-manufacturable edible cutlery. I did not say world's first no, aid. And, and that's,
1: that's also, the niche where yeah. innovation lies. People yeah. can, somebody can create something, yeah. but then you know there is somebody else who takes it and makes it something that can actually scale. Yeah. And that's in itself a huge innovation. And most of the people that we talk about today in terms of innovation, you can look at Apple. Mm-hmm. They are not the first to create uh, yeah, like the
0: iPhone, like the iPod, yeah, Touch, iPhone, phone, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But uh, but the idea is that they could take the idea and build it. So so yeah, totally. Like kudos goes to you. And yeah. Not, uh,
0: not any no, it's 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 fine. I, I I'm I'm open to that. Right. I have to be uh, like transparent there also. So even from for us, right, when we started the machine, it's actually very exciting. In two thousand eight. And like early 2019 is when we figured out this machine. Okay, this is where my partner comes in. Kruvil Patel is from Gujarat in Baroda. Barodara. Uh, I, met, I, I found out through some like common connections that he was also working on some machinery to make edible cutlery possible. And I met him, I actually, I took my paternity leave from and went across India, not just cutlery, there are some other interesting products I looked into, I didn't, it didn't bring it to the market, unfortunately, but that's that there are other things also about like how to replace a plastic bag at a grocery store. And there are some innovative things I can talk about it later. So I met Krivil and he was also on the same path to find the machinery to scale it up or to, to you know, invent uh, to, to edible cutlery. And he's actually a mechanical engineer. I would I would credit like 90 percent of the machinery to work to him rather than me. I, I helped him some design specs and uh, the thickness and the flavors and all those things. Mostly the design specs like the shape and the size of the spoon and the hardness and all that stuff. But the, the machinery work, 90 percent was his, his efforts. I would, I would completely put, put it to him. And the thing biggest concern was the money, right? We, are sta- we just started something. It's not that we are like coming from rich families or have a lot of money. So we just started something. We had some ideas. We had that machine. I remember here, I had it. Like we finally figured out one particular mold or a different a set of how, how, how we can make it. And at the time, we could make like around 20 to 30 per day. That's it. On maximum 100, if you have like maybe two shifts or something, you can make maximum. And it was just like in a very small place. I would I would even call it like an apartment or a small space. Okay? It's not even like a big place. Then I thought, okay, something's working out. I really like what came out of it. And then decided, okay, let me introduce it to the US. Now I come back to the US. For me, the biggest challenge is, this is completely a new industry. I have no experience in the food industry. I have no experience in sales. I'm just an engineer doing some engineering work before. So I wanted to first learn, forget about pitching the product. I wanted to learn. So I realized, okay, anyone goes to Google or try to find some courses which on food industry but I couldn't find anything because that's a very traditional industry now it's getting more technically you know smart but before it was mostly very traditional people still call initially when I emailed hardly I got replaced like why are the people not responding emails because they like calls they're more traditional in this in that aspect so I I went to a trade show I signed up for a trade show Uh, that was like four thousand dollars or something to get a booth in, in the trade show I just called them. It was like two weeks before the trade show. I figured out that there's a trade show exists in New Orleans. I called them up and said, hey, I'm very new. I'm not even new to this industry, but I still want to bring, go have a booth there and talk to people and get some idea and all that. They were very kind enough and they gave me like 1,500 or something, almost like one third of the price of the booth. I went there with my suitcase and I just had a few small samples of the products and I just printed out some information on my home printer. I went there. I saw all these fancy booths. That's my first time going into a trade show, and my booth was empty. There was nothing. There it was no carpet, no table, no chairs, nothing. It was just empty. I didn't even know that I had to go purchase them or rent them out. I was first time, right? But I figured out. I spoke to them and I said, uh, "At least give me a carpet. It won't look if, if we don't have a carpet. Everyone else is having a carpet. Put a carpet there." And they, I asked them, "What's the cost for like the table and chairs and some?" Like they're like, it was ridiculous. It was quite expensive. I just went to Walmart, got a table and a chair, and I put it there, and uh, and I just I didn't have a banner, nothing. I didn't even know how to go there. Right? It was like very new for me. The point was to meet people and understand, and I went uh, and I started talking to people. I just like asked asked them a lot of questions and learned everything. It was three days. I learned a lot i basically i wanted to understand what a wholesale cost distribution and how the industry works what's the cost that it would work and all that stuff it's a catering event a lot of caterers comes there uh and one guy in the last day he came to my table and said uh dinesh what is the best cost that you could give me i was like uh I, at that time it was 40 cents a piece it's quite expensive actually i told him mac best i could do is like Thirty cents. I can't go below below that. Then he, came, he told me on the table, "I'll order hundred and fifty thousand spoons on this table right now if you give it to me at twenty five cents." And I said yes. At, at this point, I did I have. I only had Amazing. a small. I only had a small place where I can make twenty or thirty spoons a day. It was so. I, I I was scared. I was like, "What do I do?" That's my first sale. I didn't even come to sell there. I wanted to learn things first. So that was my first order. I came back home. I told my wife, I'm selling my home. I had a home in California at the time. Uh, we sold our home, used that money to scale up our facility. And within six months, we fulfilled that order. That's how the journey started of me actually physically sell, selling the product. And uh, I,
1: Yeah, that's, a, yeah, and that's go, such an inspirational story.
0: Yeah, and going on, I went to a lot of trade shows. I won a lot of awards. Something, again, being an Indian that helped me, especially in the USS. My dad told me when I started this business, when we don't have that much money, I didn't even think about investments at that time. That was like way far-fetched. When I started on my own with my own money, when I sold my home and all that stuff, he said, please value your expenditure in rupees rather than in dollars. So that kind of... your, Your dad is... Your dad
1: is a wise man. I also liked his earlier. Yeah. Thing that you referred yeah. to where the happiness is inside. Yeah.
0: So the, actually <laughs> so that helps. Those helped,
1: are important lessons.
0: That helped me a lot because whenever someone comes to me with a service and say, oh, there's only three, $3,000 per month, you'll, you'll increase your revenue and all that stuff. I'm like, that's a lot of money. It's one and a half lakh for me. So I, I, I immediately converted and I want to make it because I, well, ROA matters do matters 240, 240, Yeah. Now it's, 000. yeah. Now it's <laughs> 40, no. <laughs> no longer yeah. 150000 Yeah, at that time, I'm talking about like four years back, but yeah, still. And uh, that's when I realized, okay, I have to really be scrutinized everything I spend on. So even if I, all the, I went to like my last, um, at least my my expected last show is next week. With that show, it'll be like around 22 shows that I've been to. Uh, All these shows, I always choose the cheapest hotel. If there are hostels, I stay in hostels. Uh, Because it's all my money in the end, right? I have to be careful. I have a family. I have like my wife and my two kids and I have to be careful. I only could spend what I could save, literally. Nothing more than that. That's amazing. Such an
1: inspiration, I'm sure. That'll take you a long way. Frugality is always good in uh, business. Uh, But just just before you sort of move more on the side of marketing, Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk a little more of the process. You said you could produce 20 to 30 spoons, then you created some machinery with your co-founder. What is the production level now, number one? Number Mm -hmm. two, what is the basic ingredients that uh, you are Mm -hmm. using Mm -hmm. and what are the binders? So those three things.
0: Good question. And I wanted to emphasize here. So Kruvil, I mean, all he needed was some money. So I pumped that money um, through my home sale and uh, we Scaled up a little bit at the time to meet that order, we immediately ordered the machines and all that stuff. The technology was already taken care of, right? It's mostly uh, getting that information, getting that product into the factory. We leased a space, and right now it's un- manufactured under the name of Trishula. So it's cr- Krupal is the CEO of that company, and I'm also a partner there, and he's also a partner here in Incredible Eats. So again, a lot of times people ask, I, people still send me messages, hey, let's bring this to India. I'm like, it's made in India, man. So <laughs> you know, it's not that it's not. Uh, it's like you. Were- I'm bringing it from India, I'll come come to the other aspects of the transport and all that later. But yeah, coming back to your point, right now we can make up to thirty to forty thousand spoons per day in one shift. The main uh, ingredients are uh, wheat, oat, chickpea, corn, and brown rice. It's basically the multi-grain atta that we find in India, and uh, there are no binders, it's just water.
1: Yeah, A- uh,
0: atta is atta is flour for the list. Yeah, 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 for flour. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, we don't have any specific chemical binders or anything. It's just basic flours and water. I can't go details, it's more patented and patent is still pending right now, but the, the the way it kind of compresses and bakes it at the same time in a very fast way. So that's how we kind of figure out the strength. And that's not the end story, by the way, I only started with it. Once I brought it to the market, one thing I learned from, I would say, Daniel Lubetsky, the, the owner of Kind, which who, who sold it recently. And he's also one of the shark I met in Shark Tank he had this very nice statement which is very in generic like i would say inclined towards engineering mindset by the way it's basically every startup has to go through 3 c's one is create criticize and then crusade so it's like how in engineering when i design something i test it and then i release it into production right but a lot of people try to skip it because they get too much fame or too much you know into it so you wouldn't believe even if i had the opportunity, even though i had some opportunities now I feel it's a bad mistake that I did, but still it's fine. I s- intentionally sold less to get feedback first because I'm not selling something that exists in the market. Like, let's say if I'm selling a new flavor of ice cream, that's easy, right? I have the market data. I have at least people talking about what they need, what are they, like, like likes and dislikes and all that stuff. But I'm bringing something which is completely new. People do not know what an edible spoon should taste like or feel like. So if I didn't have the data, I couldn't, I didn't want to spend more to scale it or to sell a lot initially because that will disturb me later on. Yeah, it's it can it's a it's a viral thing, right? It's like a very innovative, unique thing. So it, it can catch on. But then I was afraid that if it catches on and then becomes the wrong reason for not being used, then I'm afraid then it might not work out. So we revised the product three times. That that's where it was the hardest thing to do because I, I want to make sure people like it. We would like to take a minute to thank
1: our sponsors. Good Garbage is sponsored by PACA, a family of brands that produces compostable packaging and works to implement regenerative solutions. PACA's new project is to bring compostable food service ware and food carry products to the North American marketplace. Learn more at PACA.com. Now back to the conversation. But mm. on Shark Tank, you talk about the cost being about 10 cents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, if I look at uh, the overall raw material cost and you think about the weight that you're putting in the raw material, I'm just thinking, I'm just extrapolating on how it can scale. So, yeah. so you know, so the idea that, you know, if you were to make million pieces a day, would the, would the variable cost, uh, basically variable cost will remain the same, the fixed cost going down. Do you think there's a significant change that will happen or there is a no. basic cost that will remain? Yeah, it, then, it know, can't, can't be much as
0: about a it. straightforward answer. It can't be as cheap as plastic because plastic is a byproduct, right? It's a byproduct. It's a different. So you have the raw material cost that will be your final say on what it would be. But what we initial analysis is if let's say if, uh, if someone orders like a 10 million per year or something like that, the lowest that we could go is like in cents after the shipping and everything is about eight to nine cents per spoon. So that's the lowest we could go. Uh, because again, as I mentioned, a lot of factors involved there, right? Uh, right now, we are at 15. We already brought it down. We are at 15 right now, 15 cents per spoon. So, um, but but again, there are some other challenges with respect to shipping in the US and all that stuff. So there are all these things, other things that come into play rather than the pure product cost.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking about if, if it was to scale, would no, the cost yeah. come down? And you're right. You're saying that, you know, it might come down to, You know, that kind of level, but, but that still means there is a basic eight cent cost that will remain, yep, yep, yep. you can't You can't do it. That's that's the variable cost that will
0: happen. Yeah, and and another thing is, we are only guessing that number right now because maybe it can be better, but once we didn't go into that scale and run it and see it, right? Right now, we're still in that 10,000, like a 20,000, 30,000 scale. We're not into that 100,000 scale. So again, it depends on the scale and everything. And there are a lot of capital costs involved, right? And by the way, um, yeah, I don't know to release a surprise what happened after Shatang, but will come there.
1: No, I do want to talk about Shark Tank, but just before we do that, uh, that, that we can pivot there next. But uh, you also talk about it being a carbon negative company, mm-hmm. which is very impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also see the, the, obviously, there is a certain amount of energy that probably is taken in the process, and then we ship it across the world to mm-hmm. US. So how do you, and I, your website talks about it beautifully, but for listeners, you know, like, how do you how do you make it into a carbon negative company uh, with that process
0: yeah sure um so again the the underlying thing was I wanted to make sure that a lot of times I observed not just food industry any industry, people want to make money first and then think about the planet next and it always so there's a fight between doing the right sustainability thing versus making money, and it still happens if you look at all these big chains it's it's you won't see the immediate change there because there's a lot of things that are involved there. So on our side, I felt that when, once I started selling the product, I want to make sure that it doesn't have any footprint as much as it can. So initially, we were only carbon neutral and plastic neutral. And the way we did it was uh, we using third parties. Yeah, we, can, we couldn't do it ourselves. It's a lot of math and a lot of uh, information that we had to provide. So we provided all the manufacturing information, the shipments, the my, number of miles of spoon travels and, and, um, and, and like within the U.S. and from India to the U.S. and also... Everything, right? Even let's say a pallet is wrapped in plastic. Because it's a food product, we can't avoid it. I didn't want to, but then I was forced to. So there are these some, some specular thing, even though in packaging, we don't use any plastic, but at least in, in the transportation we have to write. And let's say on Have app, you
1: managed to remove the thin layer that you had of P e on your
0: paper? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's now, it's P, yeah, it's, that's it's, great. but it's still PLA, a bit of PLA. Still PLA. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's still yeah,
1: yeah, industrially yeah. compostable. Yes, okay. yes, yeah. No, actually, yeah, no, at least no, no the, the mic,
0: it's, a, it's two microns. So uh, sometimes so it it's except, yeah, the... yeah, it, yeah it's, it's not that yeah, bad.
1: You're trying and that's what matters.
0: Yes. And uh, coming back to this. Yeah. So we we went to this company called uh, uh, Greenprint uh, and they actually offered that service to calculate how much it would cost per spoon that we have to pay. And they paid to the third party providers to provide us that carbon and plastic neutral. And negative, we went, went a little beyond. Once we scaled on the cost of the product, we could do a little more than that. And that's how I mean, for example, all the emissions that are created, we compensate with uh, with, with, uh, with not just about planting trees. That's something that everyone says, but we went beyond that and finding, infra, like, for example, in some villages in India, there are these companies which, we, which this green print company works with, where they convert all coal-based electricity to solar-based or wind-based electricity. So like they do that and that's how you get the credits and say, Hey, okay, this, this is what you have done for what you did according to your product. And they provide us that entire mathematical equations on how much per spoon that I have to pay in order to get rid of that. And, and mm-hmm. com- coming back to plastics, how can you be plastic negative, right? That's a big question. Everyone asks, uh, so, uh, like we calculate how much plastic is used during transportation. One of the biggest challenges in, in us, Amazon, even though we ask them to not use bubble wrappers or, you know, any of these uh, other plastic items, you can't control them. They're too big for you to listen to you. So we ask, uh, we, they, we, they try to, but I don't know how much they can they work on. So we try to we also include that plastic usages. When we pack through our 3PL, we don't use any plastic. We, even, the, even the tape is water-based uh, uh, paper tape so uh, all those things we when it's under control we take care of it but if it's an amazon's control they are so we calculate all this and what they do is they work with other providers especially in, in indonesia and some of these places where the plastic is moving from rivers to the oceans and they stop it at the at the entry point into the oceans and they convert into something like benches and all these like like typical recycling right so they and also one i remember supporting one project where. They go to the Pacific garbage patch, pick the plastic out from there and recycle it. So that quantity is where, what gives you that plastic neutral or plastic negative statement. Yeah. And it's just the thought that you have that inclination.
1: But what I also see is that uh, like you are, of, of course, doing a full time job and then doing this yeah. on the sides. So, of course, you're not earning and you've made that very bold statement that till you don't replace, what is it, 100 million? 100 million pieces? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you don't replace 100 million pieces, you're not going to take a penny. But then, of course, you can... Also do that because you are holding another job. Of course, you're working yourself out, but that's a different thing. Yeah. What about your co-founder? Does he also have a separate source of income? No, and no. that's how he supports. Or is he at least earning through He's, this? Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Main... So in India, Trishula is a well, well-established company in Varodara. So uh, uh, we made sure that when I buy product from him. It's at cost plus a small margin so he can sustain his family, his company, and like his employees because there are employees there, right? See, my point is different. For sales and marketing, I don't need many people. I, literally, I can actually explain that later. In the last three months, I completely switched my virtual assistants to AI. I'll, I can tell you that later. Right now, even though I'm talking with you, I have machines running behind to talking to uh, approaching people, uh, coffee shops on Instagram and all that stuff. So yeah, I, I, again, coming back to frugality, right? <laughs> I'm trying to cut down costs. From my side, I didn't really bother because I had a job. And, and even though I sold my home, I, I'm renting and, and my, job, my salary for my job takes care of my life. So some people didn't like that, especially investors, because I was not full-time. But I felt... Especially when my goal is to make the impact, not to make money. It gave me a good comfort zone, especially on the family, right? Imagine if I'm at a stage where I quit my job and I'm really looking for money all the time. Then I wouldn't be this plastic negative or, you know, carbon negative. I'll be like, let me get that that those pennies and put it in my salary. You know, that I would have thought the other way around.
1: Well, that's what they say. The first uh, S of sustainability is also, yeah. you know, to make sure yeah. that you're surviving
0: because if you're yeah. not surviving, then yeah. You're,
1: yeah. you're right. You can, you can at least support it uh, through uh, this. Yes. Yeah. But go on, go
0: ahead. Yeah, so uh, yeah, coming back to that. Yeah, So the the in, in India, everyone is full-time. Um, we have a pretty decent team. Uh, so, and we also ship it to, from Trishula, it goes to Germany on a different brand name with another distributor and all that stuff. So it's not just the US. Uh, I take care of viewers in Canada. Uh, North America mostly and uh, there are some other distributors in Germany and also we we, I also ship to Israel and Cyprus and some other countries but again it it depends we're all like together it's not that we're separate and all this.
1: That's amazing. So, so of course, uh, like we discussed before, uh, you had a amazing, an amazing and amazing experience and mm-hmm. it's a beautiful episode of Shark Tank and I encourage yeah. everybody listening to it to see it just for your smile, if nothing else, <laughs> because you're just such so affable yeah. in that uh, was... episode that even if you are under pressure and your hands are together, you are still sort of smiling and yeah, you just yeah. have this energy. So it's just an incredible episode there. But I would love to know your experience overall, and that how that changed and impacted your life.
0: Okay. Yeah, it also started very interestingly. Remember, I told you in 2019, I went to a lot of these trade shows. I think I signed up for like five or six of them. Uh, in 2020, I went to this winter fancy food show. Uh, I had a booth there. And by the time, I was making some decent sales every month through ice cream shops. We didn't go into retail. Retail is very later on. So it's mostly food service that we concentrated on. And that show, we won the best product in the show, and it was like in the first page of the show pamphlets and all that stuff. We had a lot of good PR from there, and that's that caught the producer of Shark Tank to reach out to me in twenty twenty. So, but I was on H one B. I'm st- like I'm still on, but I'm in very close stage to green card. But yeah, I was on H one B. So they said we can't take uh, non green cards or non citizens. I'm like okay, fine. I mean, I was like very excited, but then that's fine. It's something that I can't do anything about it. So I left it. I forgot about it. And COVID came. All my food service completely got stalled. I had to switch pivot to the retail. I can explain a little more later. And even there, right, I used my cousin who to design my boxes. And I we just did, read three or four books. We understood how to do packaging, and we made our own packaging. Like all these very crucial. Because I searched for some agencies and like $40,000, $50,000. And that's a lot of money. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, anyway, so that's how I started. We got some good retail stores. We were in 600 stores in 2020 and 2021 and 2022, a little bit. So like we went to completely into retail, stop food service, like at least post. And now we are resuming it. Um, and uh, yeah, 2021, again, they reached out because they said, I, you, do you get your green card right now? Like, no, I got my EAD and not green card. Green card is the next stage. They're like okay fine i think we'll accept the idea, and they brought me in uh, it went through about four or five months of multiple uh it's not the first round i skipped there is this first round generally people go to these uh casting events where they go cast like pitch the product and all i skipped that because they reached out to me i was lucky in that aspect but after that there are two more uh, rounds where you have to clear before you actually go into the tank so those we cleared and they actually assign a producer to help you to prepare and all that stuff. They're pretty, pretty good. And you have to go through a ton of documents. I think the worst part about Shark Tank is you read about hundred to 200 pages of documents and sign them like ridiculous. Anyways, that's fine. <laughs> that's the minus thing and Shark Tank, they, they tape in much early, even though the, because it, it's not live, right? So they tape in much early and I got called in July and, uh, Preparation wise, I didn't bother preparing. First of all, the reason is, every. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention Jack. Uh, Jack joined six months after I started my business. so He's my partner in the US. So just two of us in the company since the beginning till the end. We don't have any other employees. And both of us have jobs. He also has his job. I uh, gave him only equity because he's been working with me, and uh, both of were and since both of us took care of everything, we knew everything, right? I didn't have to prepare anything; everything was my top of my head because I've been doing all my work on myself. So the preparation part was not that big, but one thing which caught me off guard. Again, it's a big experience. It was one of the places. First time I felt they gave me a caravan. They put makeup on, like, what is all this? Like, that you see it in TV with you know celebrities and all that stuff, right? That was very. It was very interesting. I didn't expect that. I went there. This like this is your caravan. Go sit there and relax. Like, what is this? Like, it's very interesting. Very nice. Before we go on to the tank, and uh, I was the second company to pitch in that season itself. So these guys are so fresh. All the four, all the five sharks. Generally, the end, when you go in the end, they're already tired. They, you know, and they, they don't, they don't, I would say, they wouldn't grill you that much. Now, I, I didn't know that I was the second company. I'm like, oh my God, that's a lot because they'll grill because they're very fresh. That they're like just starting the season, right? So I, I went there inside and it's a, they, they give you a tour initially. How do you walk? How do you go there and talk and all that stuff? And they called me the second company. I went in there. Um, I was not nervous. I I never had this, uh, I always like public speaking, going talking on stages and all that stuff. So I never had that fear part at all. But, and I was confident with my numbers. And I was very true. A lot of times, sometimes what happens is in Shark Tank, they don't stop you anywhere. Once the cameras get rolling, it's even though they do due diligence before, like with respect to how much revenue you did or how much profits and all the stuff you did. But during the show, they don't stop you. Even if you put whatever numbers you want so I, I didn't want to be out that because I knew that a lot of times companies don't go through the investments because they just hike their numbers and say, Hey, I did this, I did it for the TV perspective. Uh, and I just put whatever numbers I did and I, it went well, the first 90 seconds, they don't disturb you. That's for you to pitch. That's when you saw me. And one thing before I went, I told myself, no matter how much they grill you just keep smiling it at them so that's the reason why you see my smile so much there so and they did a very good job editing by the way i stammered a lot because it was not easy i you won't, you won't see me stammering there but i did stammer a lot yeah there. there's
1: no stammering at all when you yeah but <laughs> but
0: the the one thing i was not prepared though which i was not expecting is all five of them will talk to you at the same time that was the most, most hard thing that I could do. The reason is, I I am a person by nature. I don't let others other people finish their sentences. I just start immediately. That's my nature, I, okay? And when I came to the US, when I was doing my work life, every time I felt bad when I did that. And I tried to make myself not do that that much. So I was training myself, especially at work. Again, Indians might find it okay. Asians might find it okay, but it, like, Generally, other crowd will be like, "Why is he not letting me finish my sentence?" So, like, it, it happens, right? Those things happen to you when you're working. So, I I train myself not to, you know, be patient, listen to the complete sentence before I talk and all that stuff. And I go there; it's the complete opposite. They were not letting me fin- finishing my sentences. I was, yeah, you could
1: hear that even, you know, the arguments within them. One is one is trying to pitch, to, well, pitch yeah. one is trying to give you an offer, and the other is trying to give you an offer at the same
0: time. It, so you can hear what that they also. edited is only ten percent of the of the, I don't want to use weird words, but the the weird stuff, it's so exhausting because one shark will ask you a question. You You try to answer it. Before you finish your third word, the three more sharks will ask you with different questions. I was like, what, let me speak. At, at a point I was so frustrated I was like, please stop, let me finish my sentences. I was so frustrated at a point like, please let me finish it. I, I, again, I could, I, I don't think I mentioned I sold my home and all that stuff There, I told them, but it's all edited out. So the reason, and I heard that they intentionally do it because they want to own the floor. If you are owning the floor, then you will not accept to their uh, deals. That's that's how they're meant. It's like more like a behavioral economics kind of thing or a behavioral uh, study. Uh, like a uh, way of science, the yeah. yeah yeah science of the, them trying to own you and them being the main people. But I felt I was OK because all the numbers wise, technology wise and all, I had everything in my head, so it was not like hard to mention. But yeah. Uh, yeah. the only thing that got cut, I, it went on for like 90 minutes, something that everyone doesn't know, even though they show only 10, 15 minutes. The pitches happen minimum of 32, maximum. I think the maximum was two and a half hours. Mine was around one and a half hour, 90 minutes. So they grill you a lot. It's not as easy or as nice as they show you. In fact, every Shark Tank person who pitches there has to go through a psych evaluation after the pitch to make sure you're okay to be going outside of the studio. <laughs> you don't have PTSD. It's that exhausting. Uh, Everyone, everyone thinks it's it's like one-time opportunity of your life and all that stuff, but it's actually very exhausting. I remember Jack was waiting outside. He was like, "How was it?" I was like, "I hate this place." So it's it's so exhausting. Like. Uh, because the way uh, it's it's one one and a half hour not being able to complete your sentences is not a small experience. I would yeah, say. Yeah, I
1: can imagine yeah. That's be exhausting. So of course, you yeah. know, you get offered a deal, but I'm also told that eventually you posted yeah. that that deal fell through. So what yeah, was that yeah. like, and what happened then?
0: Yeah. So as you as people might see that we got four offers. Then Mark Cuban went back, and actually. Uh, I had thirty-minute special talk only with Mark Cuban. I think one of the things that they other everyone respects him so much they don't really interfere much with him. I think because he's the richest. I don't know. This is my personal view, but uh, we we talked a lot about. He was very interested. I actually also wanted to go with him initially, uh, but then he was very focused on retail. I was more focused on. You own a stadium, like you know, you own the like a. You you own the Texas uh, food sorry basketball uh, team right I forgot the name sorry it doesn't come to me right right to the top of my head but yeah I wanted it to be in all the stadiums and arenas and all the food service sections but he was focused on retail so it didn't match well uh, and he was also asking for a lot more. Um, then Lori was very nice at the time. She really liked the product and and she gave me the lowest. So I thought, okay, it makes sense. Just go with her. And I also knew that she had contacts with Starbucks. That's another reason why I already, I already did my homework on, on each of the sharks and how much value they bring to my company and all that stuff. So it finished. Then I got a call from, I think I met Lori's husband there itself, and then we we spoke and what happens next? And I heard that her team will contact me and ask me all the documents and all the due diligence, right? And anyway, everywhere. On TV, they might sign up for something, but after due diligence, based on whatever new risks they see, they might change their deal or even sometimes startups also change the deal. It's either way. It doesn't have to be only them or you, Okay. And it, it took about two to three months actually going through all the new documentations. You spoke, spoke, speak to her lawyers and all that stuff. You can't raise any money, you know, all that. There are like different clauses. And after two to three months, I got a call from the Shark Tank office itself and uh, they said they're going to air in October. One thing that really, really affected me in the wrong way is uh, I was being prepared to Okay, what happened was when I took, the spoons I took, the ones which you see behind, the spoons I took to the Shark Tank were the third version of the spoons. In market, on my websites, the second version was being sold. So I wanted to make sure all my old versions got sold off before I start before the Shark Tank goes live. So I only sell the new versions. I was being prepared for it. Uh, we had to change the machines, right? Because the version is different. So I told Crewwill and we, we were trying to change all the machines and all that stuff. They told me it will possibly air in February of 2022. That's what I was getting prepared for. Again, they said they can't guarantee, they can't give me a date and all that stuff. I was preparing for that. October 1st, they called me and they said, October 21st is your air date. I was like, I was telling, begging them, please, please move. Because at that time, that's a big shift. I I, I didn't have a product. I only had 100 boxes with me, literally 100 boxes with me. And the machines were just, getting ready they're not even ready they're not even installed in the factory yet that that was a huge pain for me like no 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 not not in october like november december doesn't matter not in october but they didn't listen and at that same, around the same time uh, lori calls me and she changed her terms i can't disclose anything unfortunately uh, so she changed uh, the terms because of claiming some additional risks in the company i didn't like those terms so i came went back and told changed my terms also and said okay let me meet you in the middle and i told her this is what we can do then but she didn't like it she wanted me to be on the on her terms and i didn't want to be that i mean i didn't want to give away i can't explain unfortunately i can't disclose the numbers or anything like that no, so no. I, and
1: it's fair. that like, yeah. ultimately equity is expensive you don't no no it's it not away.
0: about equity by the way if it was equity i didn't care much see remember i was i'm not in this for money right it's not about equity so it's something else i can't disclose that okay, so that's fine. yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 I think she called me three days before it went on air, and I declined the offer. Unfortunately, uh, I was really hoping on her connections, and but that's okay, it's fine. And then yeah. it went, it went on air, um, and I was, I, I just put everything as pre-orders. I, I didn't know what to sell. I didn't have product. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. it could have been the similar scenario. I remember <laughs> bakeys also. You could see, but you couldn't buy. Like it yeah, was literally yeah, like yeah, he yeah. had no production, or he would put yeah. in things like, Oh, you only have, you have to buy that much. And you'll say, Okay, I'll buy that much. And then also, it, will, yeah. it was just one of those. So, you know, you didn't want to have the same experience. But I want to jump forward and also I want to be cognizant of time. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, so thinking like I know you've gone ahead recently and also had done a bigger deal, I think with Dip in Dots. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how has that gone? And how many spoons are you doing now? What does the future look like? And how yeah. do you plan to scale?
0: So uh, yeah, Dependauts, we partnership happened in June of, uh, sorry, January of 2022, and uh, it went well for six months, and then they got acquired by another company, and the new company it's not worried about plastics so it kind of stopped so it was very unfortunate so the, this is a typical challenge oh my gosh i'm so sorry to hear that no 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 worries <laughs> sorry so but we are doing a mix of food service and uh retail right now uh, we are we are fine i think we are we have about 10 to 12 grand of revenue per month no ads we have not spent anything on marketing it's all organic yeah that's incredible i see that yes yeah, hardly any expenditure but there are good some good news is also we just got one thing I can announce right now, we just got permission yesterday. We'll be in Iceland Airlines in the in the in-flight meal for the children. And we're also starting in a couple of theme parks in Las Vegas uh, in a few weeks. So we're already in some aquariums and zoos across the US and some ice cream shops and some cafes. Uh, we launched the edible straws uh, through another company in india and we're also working on straws and trishula but right now we're working at the norm another company in india so we're, we introduced those straws they got some good uh, good 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 reviews as well and we are like we already spoke to Wendy's and burger king but they're taking their own time i can't claim but, yeah, but just to, just, to let, yeah, just yeah just to let you know about the, the market, market right a small yogurt chain of 100 stores uses 3 million spoons per month <sighs>
1: Yeah, so there's yeah. an incredible opportunity. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity, but the, the biggest con- challenge I have is cost one. The second is education, right? See, it, this product is easy to pitch to people, but it's very hard to pitch it to corporates. Not everyone is as inclined towards sustainability. They like to talk about it, but to implement, it's a big, big task. I don't want to name no, that. They, they have their
1: own uh, constraints also, because I guess, mm-hmm. because... Ultimately, they also look at what the cost addition is. Mm. And is there a delta? Will they get any benefit from no, that? So no they could no. get a branding benefit.
0: You know, no, and, it's but, not yeah. just about that way. So okay. one way okay. we twisted this product is, I like a person-wise, it's sustainability, eco-friendly, and all that stuff. Company-wise, we tell them, let's say I'm giving you a 3 million spoons per month at 10 cents per spoon or 8 cents per spoon you can charge your customer up to 20, 25 cents and they're willing to buy it. I did a data, actually, we worked with Hagandas in 2020 with the same question. They were worried about money, uh, spending so much for a spoon. At that time, my spoon was like 20 cents, 20, 25 cents. So Hagandas did a survey. They did it in the ice cream store itself. And 90% of the people were willing to pay 30 cents or more for this. We already have the data, but still the reason why that's not being implemented is it's a huge change for them, which they try to move away from. They have to train all the cashiers. Yeah. They have to train all the, you know, it's a it's a big effort for them concept is nice yeah. they like it yeah but it's and I also i
1: also hard. yeah sorry sorry I'm, I'm sorry i'm, going, sorry, I'm interrupting yeah. you but i also like the idea because i wanted to add that to the listener especially yeah. is that it's great that you can use it not just for cold but also hot products yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and true. you said you know like even in a hot product it will last 20 30 20 minutes, minutes. Yeah. which is which is significant you know if you're having a spoon mm-hmm. or yeah. anything uh, sorry soup or anything else you can actually sustain it for the period mm-hmm of Mm -hmm. time and then of course you can consume it, which is also a great thing. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep, yep, that's true. Um, Yeah, we only raised 225K till now, just to let you know, only that much and it's all bootstrapped. And that's one of the reasons why I recently moved from having virtual assistants. I had some virtual assistants before but it was getting too expensive. I have to cut down on my cost to be more profitable, so I can invest more in ads and some other things. So uh, we recently moved. Uh, that's another big thing I learned in the last four or five months using Phantom Buster, Axiom, Airtable, and Make. We made the. I made this. I, I mean, I'm a technical guy, right? So I kind of like all this fun, fun stuff. So right now, all I do is put a, put a city name. It automatically scrapes the ice cream shops, cafe shops and use goes to my email. I don't like mass email, like Clavio and all these places because it doesn't go from Dinesh at i-eats.com or anything. It goes from some other uh, signature, which sometimes goes into spam or, or into promotions. So I, I kind of sell, and also it also goes to my Instagram and messages to those coffee shops. So like kind of did all that work. And it only cost me like 150 per month, all this together. So that's incredible. Yeah. yeah so, there's so, so much. And I'm sure yeah, there's so much I mean, learning that comes yeah, yeah, from
1: that yeah, process. Yeah. yeah. So, so okay. I'm sort of going to veer towards, mm, you know, mm. towards the closure. But uh, but talk to me about what what would your ideal vision look like? And I know you've talked about 100 million, but I'm sure yeah. your vision is beyond that. Yeah. So, so, you know, so what is, so if you look at uh, Incredible Eats in uh, maybe five years timeline,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what would you like to see it as and how would you like to scale it?
0: I want to, my product to be a commodity. Right now it's not, it's just a product. So if like how plastic spoons became a commodity, I want my product to be a commodity, at least given an option. I know it's gonna be expensive no matter how many years into the future because I can't beat cost of plastic, but at least if 20 to 25% of the people will can have an option like how they can have an option to eat in a cone versus eating in a cup same thing. If they can have an option to eat, use eating an edible cutlery, even if they're going to eat it or not, it doesn't matter. So that's my final goal. That's the only goal I have, literally. And these $100 million is because I want, I didn't want to take money before before that. But yeah, and you will be surprised with the numbers. U.S. disposes of $100 million plastic cutlery per day. Yeah, per I can imagine. Day. It has to be. Yeah. Per day. I'm, I'm not even talking about per month or per year. It's huge. It's, it's the amount of uh, consumption here. So, but on, again, I, I, I don't want listeners to feel that everything's going so smooth for me. There has been a th- ton of challenges, especially with money. Right now, also we're in a very challenging time because our machines have aged. We need to get more new machines. And I depleted my resources personally, and I don't have investments. Right now to raise investments is super hard. There are a lot of these other challenges which go beyond this. Because see, in especially a CPG or a food company, you need, at least five to six years of burning money before you even see making money. And I have to sustain with all this, right? That's one of the reasons why I had to move to AI stuff because it was much more cheaper for me to do it. So all these things are there. Uh, I mean, I'm trying my best, but it's in the end, I'm also feeling very afraid because I, I'm losing confidence day by day when I especially, I, I would say I spoke to 40% of the fast food chains in the US. I already pitched to them. I already worked with them, but I haven't seen them saying yes yet. There are some Traction who said no. Yeah, yeah. I, the big ones. I'm, see, again, my goal is the big guys, right? I told you just now 100 ice cream, uh, yogurt shops, a chain with just 100 yogurt shops, they use 3 million per month. And all it takes is one person to say yes, because then things will automatically roll into the other side. Yeah, yeah
1: so, amazing. So I was in a conference yesterday. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm giving you a glimmer of hope. So Mm -hmm. I I was in a a conference yesterday where I was just randomly sitting with somebody and it's called Hack Summit in Lausanne in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. There's a woman who was sitting next to me and something came up and she said, oh, I listen to your podcast every, every week or every other week. So I was like, what? Wow. You know, and something, something. And she said, and she was an investor. So, so I'm hoping that, you know, some of these investors would be listening to this because I think you have an incredible product. You have incredible passion around that product. Mm -hmm. I think it makes all the sense. As a consumer, I can see it makes all the sense. And at least what you are saying is just offer it as an alternative. If a person wants it, great. If they don't want it, that's fine. You use your plastic spoon or your PLA (laughs) spoon or your start spoon or whatever. So, So that's great. So I have to obviously...
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Close
1: the arc. And mm-hmm. of course, our final question. And of course, if anything else you want to add, please go mm-hmm. ahead and do. And uh, of course, and then taking it to the final question, what would good good garbage mean for you?
0: <laughs> yeah, a good garbage is basically no garbage creator, right? So in a fun way, but then something that uh, on on the terms of it, as I mentioned before, coming back to the cradle to cradle book, any product that we use, first thing is we have to use it only if we need it. That's very hard to do. It's not easy. Human behavior, doesn't work that way, unfortunately. The second thing is uh, the end of life, right? Uh, Like, especially I'm not talking about cutlery or anything like that, like, like clothes and all these things. There are a lot of other opportunities that you can actually extend the life of the product, even if you don't want it. And, And the third, finally, if there is some garbage that is there, it has to be disappearing in the environment at least in a, in a reasonable time later like, around like 10 to 15 years not like in decades not like in hundreds of years or something like that and uh, i do know that a lot of good alternatives are coming in like from air carbon like, based on the straws and all that. but the thing is I, I i like the concepts but i don't know the re- i don't know the scientific aspects of it what is the process to create them and what are the claims see find, filing a claim based on a lab result is different from doing it by really in the environment and i think the the time will give the answers for it but yeah anything all in the end one thing i want to tell talk to listeners about is just observe your actions that's all it that matters uh, like forget about how much trash you're creating or whatever it is just observe your actions is it really needed or not
1: that's incredible Dinesh it's been such a joy talking to you and feeling Likewise. your passion around the subject and you know the the way you are doing it is really incredible so thank you so much for sharing your ideas your thoughts being on the show and just having the courage to do something which is which is which is hard and it's it's, yeah. it's tough but it also sort of is, it needs people like you yeah. to be able thank to you. be passionate about it. so thank you thank you for being on the show
0: thanks thanks a lot for the opportunity with
1: Thank you for listening to the Good Garbage Podcast. Follow us on social media to never miss an episode. Links are in the description below. I'm your host, Beth Krishna. See you next time.